How good. SummerSlam 2023. It's official. SummerSlam's in the books. It's done. And we're live for once. We haven't been live in months. So we're here. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm good, pal. It's great to be live. It's great to be here on this lovely Elite Heat YouTube channel. It's great to be talking wrestling with you. It's great to see your uh, your mustache. Uh, how are you doing, pal? Pal, I'm great. It's 2.27 p.m. here on a Sunday afternoon. Doing amazing. Uh, ready to discuss what was a, uh, I mean, we'll say interesting event. Uh, there's plenty yes. to break down here. Uh, I know okay, we were having conversation during the event and some, some of the things you were saying, I can't wait to hear your like long form opinion on. Uh, if there's anything you want to lead us off with, I mean, we can start off the top, just the start of the show, or is there something you want to urgently address to me, pal? Well, I want to ask you real quick before we get on to talk of SummerSlam. You mentioned to me, or uh, my sources told me, I should say, my sources told me that you've actually tried the brand new sports beverage that's taking the world by storm. And that yes. is none other than Prime, the drink that yes. Logan Paul viciously ripped out of a child's hand at ringside in Detroit, Michigan. So can you give us your brutally honest thoughts, your takes overall, just a, a quick TikTok food review on Prime? So I had the orange flavor, uh, only cost me $4.50. It wasn't $9 like it was at my gym. Uh, only $4.50 for a little drink. So there you go. Uh, orange flavor, you can see, you can taste like the coconut water sugar in it. Like it, you can taste, it's like over the top sugary. That's how they kind of hook, try and hook you to try and like it. <laughs> Personally, I prefer Gatorade. Uh, there's le it's less in your face with the flavor. Maybe if I tried a different flavor like Meta Moon or Ice Pop, one of these other ones or um, blue raspberry i'd have a better experience the melon but... is the best yeah the, yeah the the one i had the orange it was fine it's not, not one i'm gonna rush out to pay another four dollars 54 again to try but it wasn't it wasn't a dud it wasn't like ronda rousey and shana basil kevin it wasn't a dud <laughs> wow scathing all right so that's our um our food and drink reviews with the lead <laughs> thank you for that so now let's talk about the show uh overall I guess the ending, we'll start with the ending, not even overall. We'll do overall thoughts yeah. later. Let's talk about the ending, the main event yeah. match. Uh, so we just witnessed right now, like less than 10 minutes ago, Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso in Tribal Combat for the Undisputed Universal Championship and the title of Tribal Chief. And now, uh, I, I think like if you would have told, if you would have told me, like you personally, Jimmy, if you would have said, hey, this is how the match is going to go based on what we've seen from Roman Reigns in the past six to seven months, I would have agreed with you. You know, like you would have said it spot on. We had the Solo Sokoa interference. Uh, we had the Jimmy Uso run in. We had uh, Paul Heyman crying. We had Roman yelling at the crowd. We had rest holds. The only thing missing was a ref bump since it was a no DQ match. Had it been a standard match, we definitely would have got a, rest, um, a ref bump. But nevertheless, I'm going to ask you this. So the last time we did a live pay-per-view review, if I'm yep. correct, was Elimination Chamber 2023. And during the duration of that review, you were very upset, very enraged, because I said that Roman Reigns matches have too much interference. Now, I just want to ask you, how do you feel about that take that you had, you know, being very upset, being highly disagreeing, thinking that's, uh, that goes with the story? How did that take age for you? Do, do you feel the same... Are you still intrigued by Roman Reigns' matches and all the interference that we see? Yeah, that take aged poorly. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, I watched that review and listened to that back recently, and uh, I was cringing. Uh, with all things said, I mean, this match, I think we'll address just the general main event, and I'll touch on the ending in a moment. Kevin, for context, at what what time did they start doing the the video package and entrance? Like eleven eighteen, I think, like eleven twenty your time PM. They started with this. It was like three hours and twenty minutes in. They start the video package for Tribal Combat. Um, they do the video package, and what ensues? So Jay Uso comes out with like the white lay on, which I thought the the aesthetic looked good with the white lay. Roman comes out, Kevin. How long did Roman's entrance take, do you think? This is Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. How long do you think Roman's entrance would have taken? Yeah, it took exactly five minutes and 46 seconds for Roman Reigns, for his music to hit, and for him to strut down to the ring and then stare at the crowd and then gingerly enter the ring. Well, Kevin, uh, add in. From him, from Roman's music first hitting through to him finishing saying SummerSlam, acknowledge me, that was six minutes and 44 seconds. 
for Roman. That's basically seven minutes for the Roman entrance. That's nuts. I don't even think the Undertaker entrances when when the WrestleMania all way was like 300 meters long was that long. Like that's nuts. Uh, yeah. that, that being said, I did like Roman's facial expressions. He's on the apron, and there was a solid like a minute, just a whole minute of Roman on the apron, not even in the ring. Cameras zoomed in like so close to Roman's face, and he's just making like angry faces. That was funny, but yeah, outside of that, a lot of build up, a lot of kind of pre-match fluff. They're showing Jay Roman. They're showing Roman's entrance music they're showing Heyman's face they're showing the video package lots of sort of stuff with this and as you say the format is what we sort of expected you were messaging me as far as what we would expect yep it's going to be 30 more minutes of Roman rest holds crowd booing Roman yelling at the crowd Jay will make a fight back they'll have some weapon spots Sakura will get involved Jim Uso will get involved there'll be some sort of screwy finish and then it'll be ending and that's literally what happened that's the match in about 20 seconds uh some of the stuff they did, I mean, they did some cool spots with the table. They used the, the chairs in the middle of the match to have a big, like, you know, powerbomb sort of, is, is Jay going to superplex Roman onto the chairs? So there's a lot of stuff with that. And then eventually they go into the crowd, Kevin, which was, you know, which was fine. 30 minutes into the match, they, they went into the crowd. I was like, can we just keep this in the ring? End this match already. It's gone for 30 plus minutes now. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, the initial one, Roman matches now, I don't know. Something about this didn't hit the same for me. I don't know whether it's because, as we've discussed at length, Cody should have won at WrestleMania and that this match, that, Kevin, they were fighting over the tribal necklace, that red necklace thing that Michael Cole kept saying the name of, I can't remember. Roman's like necklace lay. That was what this match was about. This wasn't about the title. Jay is never going to win the title. We know Jay is not going to be the champion. It's about the Samoan necklace. So, yeah, that being said, I just rambled a bit. Talk to us. What do you think? Other thoughts? Yeah, I thought the match was good for what it was. Like, you know what it's going to be. And and Roman is very good at his formula. He's mastered his formula. So I, I don't bring up his formula in a demeaning way because he, he's done it. And he's done this for so long. Everybody, every top guy like Roman had a formula. With Hogan, you got the punches, the U, the Hulk up, the big boot, and the leg drop. With Roman, it's interference, it's ref bumps, and it's rest holes and yelling at the crowd that that's just what he does. And he does it better than anyone else will ever do rest holes and yelling at the crowd. Just ask 2012, Randy Orton. He wasn't very good at yelling at the crowd and doing rest holes, but Roman has mastered that, that, that skill, that art. Now I, I want to talk about the ending mostly. So now what I thought was going to happen was solo was going to beat up Roman and, you know, Roman was going to overcome that and, you know, still win. I thought we were going to get a clean win. You know, I, I didn't really think that we would see Jimmy Uso turning on Jay. I, I wasn't, like, fully expecting that. Like, it was in the realm of possibilities that I had laid out, but I didn't think that we would see it. I, I just – I'm kind of confused now. So you end the, the pay-per-view or the PLE with the Jimmy and Jay Uso feud. What, what are they going to be feuding over? Are they going to be feuding over Roman's affection are they going to be feuding over a Slim Jim sponsorship? Uh, are they going to be feuding over the U.S. title? Like, what? what is the basis of the storyline? That's what I'm more intrigued by. I, I understand, like, obviously it's going to be a family thing. And it's going to be good. However they write it, however they spin it, the storyline is going to be good. I don't doubt that. But it's now it's just kind of like, I, what I'm wondering is... Is Roman going to get lost in the shuffle now, if that makes sense? We're going to be seeing the Usos feuding. We're going to be seeing Solo out there. And we saw a tease of him and Roman having a little bit of tension with the, the spear spot and then Solo disobeying Roman. But Roman's taking the next three months off from what we've heard and what we've read. So I, I don't know. I don't really know what to make of, of this. And the state of SmackDown is kind of in flux. It seems like the Usos is going to be carrying SmackDown for the next three months. Correct. Bang on. That's the first thing I thought when this happened. I was like, okay, Roman's not advertised for a number of the pay-per-views in September and October. I don't even know if he's advertised for Survivor Series. He should be at Survivor Series because he's the champion. But for really the next immediate two months particularly, Joe Analyze is going to be sitting at home on his couch in Pensacola, Florida with his five children and his three championship belts sitting on the couch idle, collecting dust. That's basically what's going to be happening. So on, on the SmackDown side of things, you mentioned the state of Fox realistically what we're going to see jay uso coming out there on smackdown you betrayed me Us. you're my brother Us. 
you turn your back on me. You cost me the biggest match of my life. Us, Jimmy Uso saying, I did it for you. You trying to outshine me, yada, yada. They'll have some pure cinema where they'll be, you know, dramatically you'll have Jay Uso crying. You cost me my match. Sakura will be just like standing there, like angrily, like Roman punched me. Roman speared me. I'm his right-hand man, even though he's not here. You know, and then Heyman will be just like, Heyman will be crying. He'll be, Heyman will be on the phone. He'll be Skyping jo Roman Reigns. My, my tribal chief says we need to have Jimmy Uso versus Jay at Hell in a Cell or whatever pay-per-view they do in October. Like, it, that sort of seems like where they're going, which it makes sense. If Roman's not going to appear for two months and he's still got the championships, which he shouldn't, is what it is. That's just where, that's just the avenue they're going. Uh, so, yeah, that seems like it's become clear based on this ending. Was it a shock that Jim Uso cost Jay? I mean, Kevin, as soon as Jay hit them in the spear and the big splash and you thought, oh, my God, Sokoa's out of action, this is his moment. Jay Uso is going to win the title. In the back of my mind, probably your mind, most people watching this mind, you thought, what guy wearing a black hood is going to show up? What BS is going to ensue? And as soon as they hit the two count, man in a black hood pulled Jay Uso out. Oh, right on cue. There you go, pal. So, yeah. Um, Kevin, you excited for two, two, three months of, I did everything for you, Uso. And then Jim Uso being like, you know, saying things back and forth. Heyman sobbing on the phone on Skype to Roman Reigns. Like, there you go, pal. Hey, I, I'm down for it. I'm actually down for it. I agree with Art. I, I kind of want to watch SmackDown now. It's something different, seeing the Usos feud. Um, I know we, we joke about it, but yeah. when you think about, like, brother feuds and tag team feuds that we've seen, like, the Hardys feud wasn't that good. Edge and Christian never really had one. The Usos one-on-one -on -one feud, getting three months and three pay-per-views worth of content, I'm here for it. I want to see what they do with it. I'm, I'm interested to see how Solo and Heyman fall into the mix. I assume Heyman's going to be with Jimmy. Just to see where Solo is, that's going to be interesting. Mm. But, yeah, I, I'm here for it. Yeah, and just one more thing on that before we move on. So it seems obvious now, Jay will be the main event guy of SmackDown. He's going to be the main event babyface on that show. Unless the chat disagrees or there's someone we're forgetting about or it seems like it's going to be Jay against his brother Jimmy and then Solo and Heyman will probably presumably still be on the, you know, the heel side of things. So does anyone step up to help Jay Uso? Does, like, what happens? Where do they go from here? At least there's some questions, something to play out, something we're interested to see. So hats off there. I know I totally, you know, joke about it a moment ago, but it's all for entertainment. It should be entertaining. You know, it's not going to be bad by any means, but it just means Roman won't be there for probably a couple of months, get him through to Survivor Series, get him through to WrestleMania season, and go from there. Go from there with Sokoa, a Cody feud, whoever. So there you have it. There you get there. It is. I want to ask you this. Mm -hmm. Now, this crowd was um they were not into a lot of moments in this show. Mm -hmm. Particularly, they were not into the women's triple threat match. And they were not into Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler. And they were pretty flat for the rest of the show. I mean, they were into it at points like, you know, Roman got a pretty good reaction when he came out, but the duration of that match, the crowd was kind of sitting on their hands. So with that being said, I'll ask you, because I was actually thinking about this. Like, I was, like, trying to go back in my brain and think about crowds that we've seen. Is this the worst crowd in, in the PLE era, at least, in the network and the Peacock era? I, I can't remember a crowd more on their hands. Like, maybe the WrestleMania 34 crowd. That crowd was just, like... Oh, you're, they going, were, you're going back that far. I thought you meant like the Triple H PLE era. You're going back to 2018. No, I'm like the network era. Like I'm talking like since the network started. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. No, I, I'm not comparing this crowd to like a stomping grounds 2019. They couldn't even fill the building. That well, well, I, okay, I'm not talking. I'm talking about the big shows. The big talking, ones like the WrestleMania's, yeah. the SummerSlams, yeah. the Royal Rumbles. I yes, guess. yes. Money in the Bank. Like I'm talking about like the Big Four, Big Five. Yeah. I thought the crowd was decent. You know, this wasn't this wasn't a backlash in Puerto Rico. This wasn't an elimination chamber in Montreal where the crowd's just exceedingly amazing and we're praising the crowd afterwards for making the show from like an eight to a nine, or like a, a six to an eight sort of thing. It's not like that. Uh, I, I don't think the crowd was. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll phrase it like this: when you have a four-hour, twenty-minute show where you could have shaved off an hour and a half, and a lot of the stuff went either too long or didn't need to happen at SummerSlam. Fair enough. In many regards, there was a bit sort of lukewarm to so-so at stages. 
I mean, the, it wasn't like a you know, stomping grounds 2019 crowd where they might as well not have been there. Uh, but with that being said, after the COVID era with the Thunderdome, I'm happy with any fans because, I mean, they were good at stages. So. No, facts. But I, I just, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm looking back at all the WrestleManias, the Royal Rumbles, like even the Royal Rumble 2015 crowd, they hated everything that was going on, but they were so into it. This crowd, I mean, this is a SummerSlam. This is the, the Triple H era. We're just getting into the prime of what Triple H can do in this in this new era. Mm. You know, you got a big show. We've seen raucous crowds. Even in LA at WrestleMania, the crowd was raucous. Where was Royal Rumble? Was it St. Louis? I think so. Houston, um, maybe? Yeah. Maybe Houston. Wherever the Royal Rumble was, yeah. that crowd yeah. was good. The Astrodome, yeah. Yeah, the Astrodome. All the international crowds, they're always good. They don't get wrestling all the time. But, yeah. I mean, this is Detroit. This is one of the, the marquee cities of the United States of America. This is a stadium show. And they didn't have the energy that you would expect. I, I, like, they were good up front. The first, like, what what was it? The first three matches they were hot for. They were hot for mm-hmm. LA Knight. They were hot for Paul and Ricochet. They were hot for Cody and Brock. And then Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey come out, and the crowd just died, and they never really picked up that momentum again. No, I couldn't agree more. And I guess on that, do you want to now – Take us, you know, take it back to the start and just kind of go through and give our main opinions and everything. Uh, so yeah, SummerSlam 23. For starters, I mean, the opening was good. I liked it. I mean, I like the presentation. Um, I like the whole the line of tonight. We make history in the Motor City, and they're showing bits from '95. They're showing bits from the early 2000s. They're making it seem like this is the night that you know they, they put on, they put on history at SummerSlam. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it was a decent open. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. Nothing really I could nothing really write home about, but I thought it was fine. Um now let, let's talk about Logan Paul versus Ricochet. Yep. Man, at that God, I, I can't believe they brought Ricochet's fiance into this just to have him lose. Like man, oh man. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> it's bad enough that this is really his first like big storyline and big feud in WWE since he got there. And then they bring his fiance into it. And then he loses. And Logan's like, oh, announce my name again. Come on, baby. Say it again. Announce who won. And and I get it. Logan Paul is not coming into WWE. He's not inking multi-million dollar deals with WWE and and orchestrating multi-million dollar partnerships with Prime for him to lose to Ricochet. I understand that. But, man, bringing his fiance into it, that's, that's crazy, man. Yeah, uh, my one, I mean, there's a lot of good things you can say about this, about Logan, how just much of a natural he is at this, and how, especially in the first five minutes, he was working the crowd. I thought that was the highlight. The first, like, five to eight minutes when Logan's dominating the match and he's doing, like, he does, like, the Hogan move and he does the big, the ear thing. He's doing his flexing. That was great. And just generally, when he hits the, like, the neck breaker move on the apron, he's like, you know, he goes to his own fiance and then he points at Samantha Irwin and stuff like that was really well done. Like, that presentation of Logan was excellent, and that was the best part of the match. My opinion, this match went five to seven minutes too long. Ricochet, this is Ricochet. On the main roster, what's he done? He's been destroyed by Brock Lesnar in 90 seconds in Saudi Arabia. He's had some good, like, USIC title sort of stuff uh, across the place, and he's been a tag team with Braun Strowman for, like, a year. So he hasn't really done anything in that regard. He's not an established guy. He doesn't need to have that many near falls in his match. This didn't need to be 18 minutes long. This could have been 10 to 12 and would have been just as good. Uh, Kevin, the ending, I want your ruthless opinion on. We have one of Logan's team, like Logan's laid out on the apron. His team just like somehow gets to ringside, I guess. There was no security or something. Gives him brass knuckles. Logan Paul is struggling to beat this guy who we've been told is like a mid-card, the lower mid-card guy, Ricochet. After 18 minutes, a heap of near falls. He needs brass knuckles to cheat to beat him. Uh, I guess any thoughts on that? What was your opinion when the ending happened, pal? Walk us through that, pal. Uh, so I thought it was funny hearing Michael Cole say, that's uh, 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 Logan Paul's buddy. <laughs> it's just like, okay, you don't even know the guy's name. We don't know why this guy is here, who he is. He's Logan Paul's buddy. <laughs> thank, thank you for that, Michael Cole, or whatever the word was that he said. I don't his his co-host or something. I don't know what he said, but... He's a member of his team. It's, it's, it's Logan's team member. It's like, okay, thanks, Cole. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing I can think of is that they're going to run this back in front of the Saudi prince. 
that that's the only thing I could think of. Like Logan Paul's probably not going to be on payback, but he's probably going to be in Saudi. So they'll run it back then. We'll get more Logan Paul taunting Samantha Irvin. Good, Kevin. Uh, the, I'm sure the Saudi prince wants Logan Paul versus Yoko Zuna. Come on now, <laughs> oh, come on now. Like that, the Saudi prince is like, who is the who's the ricochet? Who's this ricochet guy? We don't know him. We want Goldberg. We want Yoko Zuna. We want Ultimate Warrior. Who, who is this ricochet? But <laughs> nonetheless kevin like this match they did do some cool stuff the spanish fly spots at ringside were just ridiculous like they they try a spanish fly you'd think if they botch this what's going on then they just look at each other and just do a spanish fly on the floor and it's like okay cool i guess nice awesome and then they did like this moonsault into a tornado ddt thing and it was what we expected coming in some really cool like oh my god like that's really insane acrobatics and then one thing i want to mention as well before i pass back to you the whole bit they were doing with Rocket Mortgage donating for every top rope move, they donate money to whatever. I was thinking, they're doing this in the wrong promotion. You do this in AEW with CM Punk and his top rope moves where oh he constantly injured himself. Oh you do this with Botchmaster Phil <laughs> and AEW with the top rope donations, you'd be making packets, Kevin. But instead, they didn't double WWE where they don't use the top oh rope as much. So, yeah, Kevin, there you go. Um, any thoughts on that? <laughs> wow. Uh, thank you for that. I, I want to shout out Logan Paul doing Bra uh, Braun Strowman's power slam. Because, you know, Ricochet and Braun Strowman, they're buddies. They're Corey. <laughs> Kevin, that uh, is long-term storytelling. Triple H sits in his room at 11 p.m. at night before he goes to bed and plans these SummerSlam spots, Kevin. That is masterful creative. But, yeah, no, that, that was good. That was, once again, just Logan Paul. Then after that, he was, like, taunting. He was, like, doing these big over-the-top flexes. He was, like, roaring like Braun Strowman after. That was hilarious because... You know, it's Braun Strowman, pal, the man who went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tyson Fury in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia in 2019. But, um, yeah, decent match. I just, As I said, thought it went five to seven minutes too long. The ending was a bit eh, but that was me. Kevin, I gave it – where's my star rating here? Let's check my notes. I gave it three and a half stars, personally. Mm -hmm. uh, ending hurt it, and the match went too long, but there you go. Yeah, I agree with you, three and a half. Uh, we just got an interesting comment that I'm not going to read on air that I'll tell you off air. So that, that, yeah, what a comment. But Kevin, yeah, I'm saying professional. I'm not looking at the chat. So, because we're trying to keep this for, especially for the Spotify and the audio platforms, these live streams can go off the rails quite easily as they have with our elimination chamber, for instance, and some other ones. Keeping this on format so you guys get to listen to us live. And then, yeah, I'll engage with you all afterwards. But there you yeah, go. Yeah, I'm reading the chat just in case they say something that I forget. Mm -hmm. But yeah, what, what a, oh, wow, what a comment. I don't know if I mentioned this already, but yeah, uh, Michael Cole saying that it was a good match, but the ending sucked. Man, Michael Cole was in his bag. He, he referenced gaslighting <laughs> at every point. <laughs> he said this match sucked, or the ending sucked to this match. I'm sorry. Like, Michael Cole in the Triple H era, without without the shackles from Vincent yeah. Katie McMahon, Michael Cole is fantastic. But about Logan Paul Ricochet, I agree. 3.5 stars. I, I expected more, personally. I, I was waiting for that viral moment. Mm. It never really came. Um, I do think it's Saudi Arabia in front of the Saudi prince. They'll show out and they'll do more. Maybe they'll do like a TLC match with like a bottle of Prime on, uh, is hanging them up in the rafters. Prime but on I a pole, pal. Prime on a pole. Guarantee it. Yeah, exactly. All right, so moving on. Now, we got Cody Rose versus Brock Lesnar. So this match started really slow. It was really diabolical and really slow. And it was Cody getting his ass beat for like nine and a half minutes. And then eventually Cody makes his uh, his baby face return. And he and he gets a good match. Or not a good match. He gets a good finish. A good ending. Yeah. Good yeah. hot ending. I, I have like really two big takeaways from this. One, I don't think Cody and Brock really mesh that well stylistically. Uh, Cody's one of the rare guys that Brock seems to have a difficult time getting a like a great match out of. I, I thought this match, if we're talking star ratings, I'd probably say like three and three quarters. But my my other big takeaway is this: Cody is a damn good babyface. He might be the best babyface that we've seen in the last I don't know how long in WWE. I, I baby since Daniel Bryan. I don't want to, maybe not, I don't know. I can't think of anyone in that time frame because in that time frame, we had shoehorn Roman Reigns that was getting booed out of buildings and starting riots as the top baby face. So Cody Rhodes, 
this version of Cody Rhodes being the best babyface in the last 10 plus years, like you guys sound off in the chat. You tell yeah. me what you think, but Cody's at that level. And in this match, he shined. The spots like where Brock is like, you know, Brock's going outside. He's suplexing him on the outside. He's getting back in the ring, t- demanding the ref count. And he's like, just so angry that Cody keeps getting up. It's like the audacity of this kid coming back in the ring, interrupting this. And Cody's selling uh, the way he's crawling into the ring, the way he's like struggling to get up, to stand up against the ropes. And everything he did, textbook babyface 101. It's stuff like that that is the reason why guys like Jim Cornette and Bret Hart, who hate everything about modern wrestling, love Cody Rose. It's just he's for everyone. Everyone loves him. The, the jaded old heads from the 60s and 70s and the 80s, uh, people like yourself, and uh, people like from that realm to like to that from one realm to the other and everything in between. Everybody loves Cody. Yeah, as, Kevin, as the documentary shows, which they plugged on this show, he's like he's like a complete babyface talent, as you mentioned. Uh, this match, I, I'll make the take now. It was Brock's best non-weapons match since, I'd say, SummerSlam, either 2019 against Rollins, or if you want to go before that, I don't even know. Maybe like seven, eight years. Brock's best just one-on-one non-weapons match because obviously last man standing at SummerSlam last year against Roman was probably more fun than this. That was just a car crash, really fun match with the tracker. That was more enjoyable than this, but this was really well done. I think for Brock Lesnar in 2023, this is about as good as you're going to get. This got 17, 18 minutes. This was stylistically, I enjoyed it. I found it funny. I know some people get really bored when Brock's like dominating a match and he's like, he's beat red. He's like purple in the face. He's drenched in sweat. He's like a human sweat bath. He's a sweat shower. Cody's a ringside, like dying for five, 10 minutes. Brock will go out, as you say, throw him on the floor, slam him into a pole, hit a move, drop him on the ground, go back in the ring, bounce around for a bit, yell at the referee, yell at Cody, screaming him to stay down. Cody, every time, got in at nine. Brock was like roaring. I found it funny. I was entertained by it. I liked it. Uh, then the second half of the match, it really picked up. They got in the ring, Kevin. Cody got his comeback going. He was hitting his offense. He was hitting his disaster kicks, hitting his moves, laying shots into the beast of Cody's Kimura lock. I found that funny. Just because Brock's obviously this just giant freak of nature, 130 kilogram, like 280 pound combat warlord athlete. And you've got Cody Rhodes wrapped. Just barely, Cody could barely wrap himself around Brock. I found that hilarious. He locks in the Kimura. Eventually they do the finish with the three crossroads. Really good ending. Um, the thing, my main takeaway from this especially during the post-match. I'm watching this going, similar to what you say, this is the babyface of 2023. This is like the star, the face of this year. Uh, hopefully he gets a world title this year to kind of show for it because I don't think a year Cody's had this year, it's fair that he just doesn't have any sort of world title to show for it. I don't know because he was brilliant once again here. Great reception. He made, made Brock look great. Brock made Cody look great. It, it worked really well. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I was a big fan. It wasn't as good as Best vs. the Beast, as I hyped in the SummerSlam preview, but it was still pretty good. Still pretty good for Brock 2023 standards. So, Kevin, one more thing, one more thing. Michael Cole as well, early in the match, is going on about how Brock's defeated 16 Hall of Famers. He's beat 16 Hall of Famers with offense like this. I'm thinking, what, the same Hall of Fame that, as we discussed in the Macho Man bio, Randy Savage wasn't even in until 2015 when they begrudgingly put him in and he put Coco Beware in in 2011. That Hall of Fame, Michael Cole, the wow. Hall of Fame where uh, just, none, that could go down a whole set of rabbit hole. We'll do a late heats on that in months to come. But nonetheless, Cody Brock, three, SummerSlam, success. I liked it. There you go. Yeah, and, uh, and Brock gives Cody the big rub at the end of the match. You know, they, they have like a little stare down. They get nose to nose. Everybody's like, oh, Brock's going to beat his ass again for like the hundredth time in the last three months, four months. <laughs> Man, I, uh, one day we'll do a drinking game every time Cody gets his ass beat by Brock. We'll see, we'll see how fun that goes. But yeah, I thought he, I was like, okay, Brock's gonna beat his ass again, and then that's it. We're gonna they're gonna set up the fourth match for the Saudi Prince at, at Hell in a Cell. That, that's what I that's what I I thought it was gonna be. But no, yeah. Brock gives Cody a, a big handshake, a big hug. Uh, it was kind of interesting, you know. Like I, I thought the commentary the the choice of words that Corey Grave used here I thought was interesting mm-hmm. saying that Cody has arrived now 
that's kind of interesting to say he's arrived because Brock Lesnar's hugging him. You know, I mean, he challenged for the world championship four months prior and he won the Royal Rumble. So to really drive home that Cody's arrived, what has he arrived to? He he beat Brock Lesnar. So now he's, he's what? He's arrived. I don't get it. He's arrived at the hotel in Detroit. The match is over. Is that where he arrived to? He arrived backstage to do an interview for a podcast or a, or a wrestling news website. What What is Cody exactly arrived to? This goes to that whole narrative that I remember ranting on at length that Cody wasn't ready at WrestleMania 39, that he hadn't proven himself yet. Even though, Kevin, maybe I am amnesia. Maybe I'm getting old, pal. Last time I remember, Cody had this epic WrestleMania 38 return to WWE against Seth Rollins. Huge WrestleMania, big moment, big return. I thought he arrived then. What about, Kevin, when Cody arrived with the torn pectoral muscle at Hell in a Cell 2022? What about that? Didn't he, Did he arrive when he had that match of the year against Seth Rollins and the polka dot? I thought he arrived then. So that's a minimum two arrivals. Then I thought he arrived at the Royal Rumble when he made a big return, had a great duel with Gunther, eliminated like five people and won the match. Isn't that three arrivals? What about that? Or maybe when he had a, like a, some of those face-offs with Roman Reigns in March 2023, isn't that a, like a fourth arrival? Or when he arrived at WrestleMania 39 with that epic entrance, the crowd was going crazy, wrestling gifts was in the audience, Superkick Studios was in the audience, they were screaming Cody's name, screaming, whoa, pal, this man arrived, okay? Five times already. And then you can say when he beat Brock at Backlash, he arrived as well. He's arrived five or six times, but Kevin... Now he's arrived. When Finn Balor came up to the main roster, when did he arrive? He was just given the Universal Championship within three seconds of being on the main roster. Double standards, hypocritical, the verbiage of Corey Graves, which, by the way, as they announced, Kevin, midway through this show, there's now a commentary shake-up, pal. Corey Graves is coming to SmackDown. You excited, pal? Wade Barrett the Raw? Oh, my God. Ah... We have to listen to Corey Graves. I, I SmackDown's a show that I mainly watch live. Now I'm probably gonna start watching Raw. I just we're gonna have Corey Graves yelling about Jimmy and Jay Uso. He's gonna be telling us every single week that Jay Uso arrived. Whatever. I, I digress. Now okay, one more thing, one more thing. One before we move on, and and Raw is gonna be what Wade Barrett and Kevin Patrick's. So it's just it's gonna be a European flavor, just yelling at how great Gunther is. Cole's gonna be on both. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but sorry, by this point, when they, by the time they announced that, that was around the Ra- Rousey and Baszler time, I'd sort of tuned out. So pardon me for not getting the exact specifics of that down pat, but yeah, mm, mm, mm. There you go. There it is. All right, so now let's talk about the Meat Stick Battle Royal. Um, so first thing to note, we got the, the old Macho Man Slim Jim ads being played, like in the picture-in-picture. I thought that was cool. Little bit of nostalgia. I got the Randy Savage shirt on. So yeah, that's awesome. We just talked about Randy Savage too. I should have been wearing this shirt when we did the Randy Savage podcast, but whatever is what it is. This battle royal. Uh the only thing you need to know is LA Knight finally got the big win. He's gonna be added to the United States triple threat match. And if there is a god out there, if the wrestling gods do exist, JBL, please. I pray to you, JBL. Give that United States Championship to LA Knight. The fact that Austin Theory has been relegated to the Meat Stick Battle Royal after he he beat John Felix Anthony Cena Jr. clean in the opening match of WrestleMania. Not a house show, not main event, not Raw, not SmackDown, not NXT, not Battleground, not Stomping Grounds 2019, not Hell in a Cell 2019. Not Money in the Bank, not Royal Rumble, not Survivor Series. Austin Theory beat John Cena clean in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania. And now he's been relegated to a pay-per-view. I mean, not a pay-per-view, a battle royal that's sponsored by a meat stick. I, I, I just, I can't believe it. So please, JBL, if you're out there, please put that United States Championship on LA Knight. That's all I have to say about this. Yeah, I don't I don't have much on this. Honestly, it's a battle royal. What can you really say? I mean, o- Omos was there. 
which everyone, you know, is excited about. It's cool saying Omos. I mean, Omos faced Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. It, it, it's weird that four months ago, Omos faced Brock F and Lesnar at WrestleMania and Theory beat Cena. And now we're sitting here at SummerSlam four months later. And it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, Omos is back awesome, but Theory... Kevin, I mean, we'll discuss this at length more in either a late take later in the week or as months go on. But as show after show unfolds, that theory Cena match outcome, everything about it looks worse and worse. Theory felt like an afterthought in this match. I was like, oh, Theory's there. He's in the Slim Jim meat stick match, pal. He's in the Macho Man meat stick match. Like, okay, great. LA Knight won. Cool. Awesome for him. Amazing. Good moment. Crowd was into it. Cool. But my word, yeah. Theory is dead in the water. He is, what is different about 2023 Theory to 2011 Mason Ryan? You tell me. Guy with muscles, can't cut a promo, office likes him, but there's nothing there. There's no substance. There's no oomph. There's no, there's, there's nothing there for it. There's nothing for the fans to get behind. At least Grayson Waller is something you can get behind with him. Same, same with Omos. Same with Lashley and the Street Profits, which they're doing now. Like, there's a lot of stuff you can get into. Theory, no. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, let's make this about LA Knight just for a moment before we yeah. move on. Yeah. So uh, what did you think about LA Knight just in general? I already gave my kind of thoughts. No, I like the presentation of this. I think this was the moment he needed. It wasn't winning a world title. It wasn't a big marquee main event match, but it was a moment. It was much better than WrestleMania when he wasn't even there. Uh, and it was, it was something for him. It was something where he can talk about it in promos. I have my SummerSlam moment. Now I'm going to have another moment when I win the US title or when I win this match at Survivor Series and when I go into the Royal Rumble, stuff like that. So, yeah, no, it was good. It was a good moment for LA Knight. The crowd was into it, which that was one of the high points for the crowd, Kevin. We talked about them earlier. When LA Knight won this match, crowd was really into it. So, there you have yeah. it. And I think LA Knight should uh, pick up the, the reins of the Meat Stick sponsorship. It makes sense since his catchphrase is, yeah. All right, let's talk about the MMA rules match. Shayna oh, Baszler versus Ronda Rousey. <laughs> This match went seven minutes and 30 seconds, and that's seven minutes and 30 seconds that I will never get back in my life. Uh, how do I describe this match? It, it was MMA rules. Um, we got like a, a shoot knee from Ronda Rousey. We got a shoot head kick from Shayna Baszler, and that was realistically the highlights of the match. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say about this. I don't really have a... a you know, a lot of analysis to offer. Uh, I I don't know. The, the crowd went dead. The, this show or this match sucked the life out of the crowd. Sucked the life out of this show. I, I don't understand. I'm struggling to figure out why this wasn't the buffer before the main event. Um, I got nothing. Like, why did they put this on after the crowd was at a very high with LA Knight winning the Battle Royal? Yeah. I don't know what they thought. Um, I don't know. This match, it was like good, I guess. I, I don't know. I have nothing. Go ahead. Triple H likes Shayna Baszler, I guess. That's the only, that's the only real thing. The reason this was on the show. Kevin, can, do you want me in the chat? Do you want me to read my notes for this? Yes, please. This is, this is what Jimmy the Elitist, this is what wrestling YouTuber, formerly consistent wrestling YouTuber, now part-time washed YouTuber, JTE, wow. thought about this match. WWE MMA doesn't work. We know it's fake. It's not real. Watching people roll around on the mat is not fun. It's just not. It's it, it works when they're legitimately trying to injure and hurt each other. This doesn't. It was three, four minutes of Shane and Ronda awkwardly grappling and rolling on top of each other. And the crowd was like... Eh. So that was that. And then one more thing. I go, Ronda couldn't break the Kirifuda pal. Whatever. Move on. <laughs> That was literally my note. Ronda couldn't break the Kirifuda pal. Whatever, move on. That, that's what that's what this match did. This was eight minutes, and there was a knee strike, as you say, Kevin. So quite literally, this is a SummerSlam match. Kevin, pay-per-view time is like gold. Lashley only got 30 seconds at WrestleMania. LA Knight couldn't even get a WrestleMania spot. Here we have 15 minutes, 20 minutes of pay-per-view time devoted to Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey, a knee strike, and a Kirifuda, and then rolling on the map when the crowd was dead. Thrilling. Let's move on. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is watch out, Eosky. Triple H is about to write Shayna Baszler's name on a piece of paper going over for your championship that you just won. So we're, we're here for it. It's next. A 13-month-long Shayna Baszler women's title run is coming on SmackDown. So 
get ready for that, everyone. Uh, then we got to uh, the Intercontinental Championship match. Gunther versus Drew McIntyre. Gunther gets the win, as a lot of us expected. Mm-hmm. Gunther wins mainly because they want him to break Honky Tonk Man's record, which I think is commendable. Okay. You know, it's commendable. Gunther's a much better Intercontinental Champion than Honky Tonk Man was. So mm-hmm. it makes sense to have one of, if not the greatest Intercontinental Champion, own the longest reigning title record. And Drew McIntyre will be fine. If Drew McIntyre recovered from swinging a sword at Jinder Mahal and his, and his buddies, uh, he'll be fine losing to Gunther. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal watching it play out. He lost. Okay, it's fine. McIntyre will be okay. McIntyre is still going to be doing Good Morning Today on NBC. Whenever WWE needs someone to do a, a PR run, he's fine. But what do you think about this? I love that bit of analysis. That's so true. Drew will be the guy who, when WWE needs to promote their like three European tours every year, he'll be the face of it. So, yeah, there's that. Um, nonetheless, Kevin, I'll read you my notes. This is word for word what I wrote. First note. Are you ready for this? Yep. Corey Graves is garbage. <laughs> Can you tell us why he's garbage? Direct quote. He was describing a Gunther dropkick. He goes, it's like being dropkicked by a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I'm what, thinking Bar- myself, Barney the dinosaur? Like I'm thinking, Kevin, we we had Jesse the Body Ventura, Gorilla Monsoon. We had Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler, Taz, oh, yeah, Joey God. Styles, yeah, Kevin Kelly does other company stuff. These all these legendary wrestling commentators. I'm forgetting so many, but there's so many great commentators. And what we've got at SummerSlam in this big time Intercontinental Championship match, Gunther, Drew McIntyre, heavyweight. These gladiators, these immortals, got slugging it out. It's like being drop kicked by a Tyrannosaurus Rex, Cole. Yeah. Uh, that being said, we move on. Uh, the match, I thought, watching it, same thing I think during most Drew McIntyre matches. I'm just watching the match with Drew, thinking that's the guy Roman Reigns looked in the eyes in an empty arena and said, "You're always number two. You will never be better than me." <laughs> That, that stain is with Drew forever. I, I couldn't, I was watching this and all I was thinking was, that's the guy, Jar and I sat down and smugly went, I don't watch Raw. No one does. You're number two. Like, no one cares about your title. I got my title. It's a blue berry shortcake and it's more meaningful than your belt because I'm Roman Reigns. You're Drew McIntyre. You're number two. Ever since that happened in 2020, Kevin, I can't look at Drew the same, but the match was really good. Uh, I personally feel like I maybe hyped this up too much. I because I, I, I hyped this up as like this will be match of the year, five stars, like their WrestleMania match was with Sheamus. This was great, but it wasn't five stars. It was, you know, four and whatever. It was entertaining. Obviously, what you'd expect, some brutal moves. My favorite part, Kevin, is when I believe it was Drew was on the like Drew was like sitting like in the middle of the ring, kind of holding his head, and Gunther was just like like slapping him like this. There was no coordination to it. There was no style. It wasn't crisp choreography. It was just a six foot four Austrian smacking this six foot five Jack Scotsman. So um, yeah, there was that. Uh, and also Corey Graves trying to do an and still in the Gunther voice. We didn't need that either. Yeah. Corey Graves tried to be like Austrian. We didn't need that. Yeah. Um, so that's my takeaway, as I said. Corey Graves is garbage was my takeaway. What were your thoughts? Wow. Corey Graves is garbage. <laughs> what a line. We got to quote that one. Um, yeah, I thought this match was four stars. Um, four and a half stars if Tony Khan had wrote their names on paper uh, yeah. before the match. Four what, if and three quarters. What, what if it was in Japan? Though? Yeah, four. I was going to say four and three quarters if it took place in the Tokyo Dome. If their feet were on Tokyo Dome sto- soil, it's a four and three quarter star match. Um, you know, who knows if it took place at like all out 2019, it could have been a five and a half star match, but man, this was like, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good, solid wrestling match. I had nothing really wrong with it. I I expected a little bit more just because it went a little short. Like I thought we'd get maybe like 15, 16, closer to 20 minutes in this match, but you know, it's fine. They went out there, they did what they do. It was man, Some of those chops. Man, oh, they were ugly. And then, like, the, the spot where they're, like, standing on the top turnbuckle and they're just slapping each other in the face, yeah. I was, like, cringing. Oh, my God. That yeah. was brutal. These two guys are tough as nails. I couldn't even fathom wrestling a match that they wrestle. So mm. all hats off to them. It was good stuff. 
Gunther wins. Gunther won clean and decisive. I wasn't really expecting that, but I think it's yeah. really the only way to do it. I don't think, like, you already had a lot of interference in this show and a lot of fuck finishes. I didn't think you needed another one, so I'm yeah. happy with that. Good. And just one more thing on Gunther. I want your thoughts. I mean, the chat can chime in on this. Where to sort of from here? Because Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam was always going to be the one where if he's going to lose the title, probably be there, you'd think, because it's like a it's an established guy at SummerSlam as a big stadium. Now he's probably going to hold it to WrestleMania because, I mean, Brian mentions that, yeah, they might do a, a Gunther-Gable feud or Gunther. They're, they're going to have feuds to fill Gunther in through the next few months where none of the guys are realistically going to beat him. So I guess you're going to have, what, IC champion Gunther heading into WrestleMania, probably winning the Royal Rumble at this rate. I think he's the favorite if it's not Cody. So you might have IC champion Gunther versus world champion Rollins. There's like a title versus title, something like that. Maybe Gunther versus Brock for the IC title, I guess, something like that. I don't know. Uh, but at this point, as they were saying over and over and over again on commentary, he's the third longest reigning champion. He's getting up there in his all-time ranking. So clearly they're going to make him the longest reigning IC champion of all time. That's obviously the direction from here. So that'll happen. Hats off to Gunther, I must say. As we've discussed, he has saved that title. That title was Nakamura holding it for eight months and defending it twice. That's what that belt was. And it was like Braun Strowman and all that crap. Now it's actually, you know, something worth winning. So hats off to Gunther and, and the A-Pal, Paul Levesque. Uh, but yeah, looks like he'll hold it for like six more months minimum. That's right. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, the Intercontinental Championship feels more important than ever, honestly. Like Gunther's done that. Credit to him. I'd love to see a title versus title match with Gunther versus wh- whoever, whichever champion you want to put him in there with. But now let's talk about... Um, not even let's just keep on this train of talking about secondary championships. Yeah, you got uh Seth Rollins versus your favorite wrestler Finn Balor, aka Fergal Devitt, or as yep. we call him, Fergs or Fergie, whatever you want to call him. We got yep. Seth freaking Rollins versus Finn Fergie Devitt going up against the uh, the odds pal going for the world heavyweight championship. This match got, what, 18 minutes, 30 seconds? Fair. Um, The storyline going into this was the fact that Finn Balor held the championship seven years ago after Vince McMahon wrote his name on a piece of paper to go over Seth Rollins at SummerSlam 2016. And that was the premise of the storyline going into Money in the Bank. And it was still the premise going in here to SummerSlam. Now, for this match, we did get the added wrinkle of Damian Priest being Mr. Money in the Bank. We got some tension tease between him and Fergie. I, I guess that made things interesting. Um, Don't the, call him Fergie, please. That's the, <laughs> the, anyway. the first, like, 14 minutes and 20 seconds of this match was, like, NyQuil for me. You, you yeah. could, it it could have put yeah. me to sleep. Uh, yeah. My dog was snoring next to me. Yeah, so shout-out to Fergs and Seth. They put my dog to sleep. Uh, and nothing against them. They're great talents. Yeah. But, like, we've been there, done that with this. You know, and then we got the, the the interference, which is cool. Damian Priest comes out. He brings out Rhea and Dominic. Rhea Ripley, the women's champion, that's her appearance on SummerSlam. Did they even plan a, a title feud or a championship match for her? Who knows? Not not my place to speculate. Yep. But she's out there holding Dom's hand. Um, you know, Damian hands Fergie the briefcase. Fergie goes to grab it. Rollins curb stomps Fergie. One, two, three. Hit the bell. Match is over. What do you have to say? I have a lot to say. I'll condense it and keep this sort of... I mean, the story, we've addressed this in the preview. You know my thoughts on Fergie. I, that's, that makes me cringe. Fergie. Um, yeah, I, I like the battle. I had the set, like seven ridden on his... The, the show, the, the, like the part that got injured years ago, that was a nice touch. That was good. That was creative. That stood out. I like that. Uh, one line from Corey Graves, where early in the match, they're going about how this could be Balor's last chance. And um, Graves goes, how many more chances is Balor going to get? And my first thought was, well, plenty, because Triple H likes him. He's a Triple H favorite. He's going to get plenty of chances. What do you mean? Anyway, so there was that. Uh, match rolled on. They did some good spots. I like Balor doing like the running powerbomb to Rollins into the barricade and some callbacks to the, the match seven years ago. I like the premise of the callbacks. That was cool. One thing I can't get over, it's a, it's a world heavyweight championship match. When I think world heavyweight championships, 
I think Brock Lesnar versus Mark Hunt having a fair match in an octagon. Oh I think God. Lesnar and Goldberg. Finn Balor, I, I kid you not, has the he's the same height and similar weight to me. We have the same body type, we have the same body shape. He has better abs than I do, but we're both very similar build. I'm not a heavyweight. I have no business in a heavyweight title fight, a heavyweight championship match. I guess Finn Balor is a heavyweight championship competitor. I don't know, whatever. Wrestling's not real. I'm not going to carry on that much. Uh, one thing I will say, Dirty Dom as a nickname for Dominic is amazing. The, the, that was just so good. Like, that was just terrific. Then commentary, Michael Cole yelling, like, when Dirty Dom got stomped or dropped on the ground late in the match, he goes, that idiot Dirty Dom just, he, he just suffered a blow. Like, Cole's yelling, that idiot Dirty Dom. I'm like, that was just the best visual for this, this guy, Dominic. That, that was great. Uh, and yeah, Rhea Ripley. This is the second best Australian talent behind Grayson Waller, the second most entertaining, the most entertaining female talent. And she's being reduced to what? Awkwardly standing around ringside watching Damien Priest roll in the Money in the Bank briefcase. Oh, wait, now I'm going to retract it. Now I'm going to throw it over the top rope. Now the ref's distracted. Now, now Rollins is looking this way. Now Bella's this way. Coupe de Gras, pal. Two count. Oh, now there's Priest. The, the briefcase is here again. Now the briefcase is over there. Now the briefcase is over here. Now the briefcase is over there. That was literally the last five minutes of this match, Kevin. It was spot the briefcase, Damian Priest shenanigans, Rollins wins. Uh, what did I rate this match? I gave this I gave this 3.75. I thought they saved it late. The last like five minutes really saved this because, Kevin, I was falling asleep. I was the same as you. Watching them talk about Bala's last chance, I was on the brink of falling asleep and it's 2 p.m. on a Sunday after, Sunday afternoon. So there you go, pal. That's me. There it is. Yeah, I, I give it a three-star. Nothing really to write home about. Uh, too much interference for my liking. There was a ton of interference on this show and a ton of shenanigans, so hmm. not my liking. Now, let's talk about this women's triple threat match. Sorry, sorry, one more thing, one more thing. Real quick, real quick. Can we address this backstage segment of the Alpha Academy in the Miz? Oh, I, I, I don't want to, so I'll let you go. Chat, I know you know what I'm talking about. This backstage segment. If you haven't seen this, this is something where if Triple H, what's well, like, if Triple H, out, if this, if Vince McMahon was just the head of creative, and this segment happened, it would be crucified for weeks. This would be the segment that gets talked about on the worst of 2023. Quite literally, the Alpha Academy's backstage. Gable's got his drink. They're talking about, you know, I'm Mike. A Mike is this. Cody's a Mike. Guys who are like Chad's are a Mike. You know, they're Mike's. The Miz comes over looking like a, a Jedi in his like yellow and black Jedi gear with his sunglasses on. They're backstage. There's no reason for any of this. And they start yelling at each other. Miz is like, I'm a harder Mike. And Gable's like, I'm a harder Mike. And then, you know, Miz is like, you're not harder than I am. I'm sitting here watching this going, who's this for? What segment of the focus group is this for? Is this for children? Is this for families? Is this for Grandpa Joe, who's 62, who's watched WWE since he was seven? Who's this for? What focus group is this for? <laughs> and then they end the segment. The Miz gets dumped in a box, and then he gets, like, wheeled away, and the segment just ends. And I thought that was that was four minutes of pay-per-view time that and ex- lifetime I will never get back. So, Kevin, that's my review. Unless you want to comment on that, you can move to the women's match. Yeah, I'm just going to go straight to this uh, triple threat women's match. Thank you for that lovely recount of the Mike's Hard Lemonade ad. Uh, and Nick Khan with these sponsorships, man. He's relentless with the sponsorships. But uh, I digress. So Bianca Belair, she defeated Asuka and Charlotte Flair in a triple threat women's match. I'm going to ask this question off top. What was the point of Asuka winning the title at Backlash or Night of Champions, whenever she won it? Just to hand it back to Bianca so EO Sky can cash in on Bianca. Why not have Bianca just continue her reign and then do the cash in on Bianca? I, whatever. I, I'm not looking at this stuff. I don't have the pencil. Yeah. Uh, second question I'll ask is Bianca Belair, how good of a seller is she? She had everybody thinking that she legitimately tore her ACL or her quad or something twice. Um, yeah, so think about that. Let that fester. I- I'll comment what I thought about this match overall. Uh, this was hitting AEW dark levels of botches. There was like I can't remember specifically what the moves were, but I just remember watching like mm, that didn't look crisp or clean. Not, not the kind of work rate that we would expect from talents the levels of Oscar, Charlotte, and Bianca Belair. 
Um, I know Twitter loves this match, and that's probably about it. My, my my friends are Why? not going to care about this match. Casual wrestling fans are not going to care about this match. Old school wrestling fans are not going to care about this match, and and so on and so forth. Twitter loved it for whatever reason. Uh, they loved Io Sky cashing in. That's great. Io Sky is now she's what the WWE Women's Champion, and Rhea's the World Women's Champion, something like that. So Io Sky has the SmackDown belt. And yeah, who knows what's going to happen, but I thought it was a nice moment for her. Give it to someone else. Literally, it's the women's championship scene has been a revolving door of Becky, Bianca, and Charlotte, and like Bailey and Sasha Banks sprinkled in there for the past like seven, eight years. So I'm all for whenever someone new gets a chance. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more on that. This match, we discussed this in the preview, this came into the show cold. There wasn't really anyone talking about this match as the match they're really looking forward to at SummerSlam. Maybe there's a few exemptions who just love Bel Air or love Charlotte, like the three people who were like that. But on the whole, no one's really coming in going, yes, SummerSlam 2023, one of the top three maps I'm looking forward to is that women's title match with Charlotte, Oscar, and Bel Air. No one's really like that. So they come in, they do the first like 10 minutes, it's going along, it's going along. Bel Air does this move, like this moon salty looking. Is that, the leg gives out, and you're thinking, oh, my God, uh, you messaged me this in the Discord. It's like a Vince McMahon quad tear type deal. The layer looks legitimately injured. And then it just went on. The, the EMTs, the medicals came out there. Charlotte and Oscar are just wrestling for minutes and minutes and minutes. Belair's hobbling. Belair's hobbling. She gets halfway up the aisleway. She, like, collapses on the aisleway. I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? Like, was this a, a legitimate botch? Like, is like what I, my mind was thinking was this is a legitimate injury and backstage Paul Levesque trying to think of a plan B of what to do. And they were trying to get a message relayed to the referee. So that's how Charlotte and Oscar wrestling for the sake of it. That's what this felt like. It just went on and on. I thought they were calling an audible. But Leia like hobbles back and she hits this big move, like top rope move to Charlotte. And you think, okay, that's it. And then it went on and on. And then there was a, a figure four on Belair into a figure eight. And then you think, okay, well, that's going to be it. Charlotte's going to win a 15th women's title to bolster the resume, but then no, then the mist came in and then Belair got the roll through on Oscar and then then Belair won the title power to boost her stats, as Art says in the chat, run her numbers up. So she held the title for five minutes and then EO ran out, logically cashed in because it just made sense and won. So yeah, um, to answer your question, I think the only reason Belair dropped the title to begin with, because she was starting to get like, she's held the title for 400 days, sort of, not hate, but like, what are you doing? It felt sort of directionless at the time. So they gave it to Oscar just to freshen up a tiny bit. I think, I think that's what they were doing. And then Belair wanted back to boost the stats and now he goes champion. That's my interpretation of what Paul Levesque's doing with his pen and pencil while he's sitting in bed at 1am with Stephanie. That's my interpretation. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I thought this match went like 10 minutes too long. Like we could have given six of these minutes to McIntyre and Gunther. I, I don't see the point why this match went so long. It just dragged and dragged. Mm. And literally the crowd was so quiet that you could hear Bianca Belair screaming and crying when she was yeah. selling the knee injury. You could hear her audibly loud and clear. Like she's sitting next to you. It, it was that quiet mm. in the, uh, in the, in Ford field at yeah. this point in time. I don't know. Go ahead. Just on that. And I also want to make this point. This show, and we've discussed the main event, we can add any other comments in now if you want to, Kevin, but this show went four hours and 15 minutes overall. It was a four-hour, 15-minute event. This show ended 15 minutes past midnight for you. It's now Sunday morning for you and everyone in the States who are watching on the East Coast. For me, yeah, it's just a four-hour, 15-minute show, whatever. I wrote down a list. This is just what didn't need to happen. This is what they could have cut to make this a three, three-and-a-bit-hour show, which would have made it significantly better. Shave five minutes off Logan Paul and Ricochet and fix the ending. So five minutes can have been shaved off that. We didn't need Ronda versus Shayna Baszler. We didn't need any part of that on SummerSlam. You can do that on as a Raw main event. Have that be the, the build Raw around the farewell of Ronda or SmackDown, whatever. Just build a show around that. That didn't need to be on SummerSlam. That killed the whole flow of the show. That killed the audience. So that's 20 minutes on top of that. So about 20, 25 minutes you could have saved there. We didn't need the Alpha Academy Miz segment. We didn't need that. We didn't need Mike being harder than last time, being put in a box. We didn't need that. That's three minutes. Cut that. Axe that off the show. 
Then we didn't need 15 minutes of that women's triple threat match. Like you've literally done five to eight minutes of wrestling. Belay gets injured. The match is like 10 to 12 minutes. It would have been probably better. Instead, it dragged and dragged. You nearly fell asleep. Half your household's asleep. Your neighborhood's asleep, Kevin. I know you wanted to go up down the street partying about SummerSlam. Everyone's asleep. No one cares. So you could have shaved 15 minutes there. And lastly, randomly, Kevin, this was so random. So they finished the women's triple threat match, as we just discussed. It's like 11.10 for you. At three hours 10, three hours 15 into the show. It's 11.15 p.m. You just want to get to sleep. You want to wake up, be a big Sunday. You know, do what you need to do if you want to go to work. You need to go to the gym. You need to do a family outing, family gathering. And WWE, what, what are WWE giving us? They're not giving us tribal combat. They're giving us Liv Morgan and Raquel Gonzalez, like, raw highlights. Well, while you were watching that, for those of us that don't have Peacock Premium Plus and just have the regular Peacock uh, Premium, we were watching Hot Wheels commercials. Um, I think there was, like, a, a, a 37th commercial for Heels, the TV show that uh, CM Punk and his wife are in. Uh, on stars um and your buddy arrow there was like a hot wheels um there was this that stars commercial there was a big e commercial i don't remember what he was screaming about maybe it was another snickers or something but it was just literally just commercials and I, the only one i can really that really stands out is that damn hot wheels commercial i was like yeah it's 2023 and i'm watching hot wheels like i didn't even know hot wheels was still a thing anymore I, I was addicted to that when I was five and that was in like the late 2000s. That's that's hilarious. But just to recap, well, I just listed you for that little bit I did. That was 50 minutes approximately of t- pay-per-view time they could have shaved. And I, I personally think they could have cut 10 minutes off the main event. That it, it went about probably five, 10 minutes too long, in my opinion. So in total, that's one hour of pay-per-view time. You axe all that crap off and that, that's keeping the battle royal which some people would have moved the kickoff show or not done. So I'm keeping the battle royal Cutting an hour off this show, it's three hours, 15 minutes. Its rating is going up by two points if you axe all that stuff. In reality, though, Kevin, what we got on the night, I gave this show a six out of 10. SummerSlam 2023. Uh, I think the highs were pretty good. I mean, bits of the main event, really enjoyable. Brock and Cody, I personally really like, especially the post-match, which Triple H apparently said in the media conference was unplanned. Apparently, Brock, it was unplanned for him to do that. He just did that on the fly with Cody. That's what I'm being told in the chat. Uh, and as well, you know, Logan Ricochet had some good points. Drew and Gumper had some good points. Most of the matches had good points, but nothing was like legendary, all-time great. And then the lows, you've got, yeah, Ronda Shayna. You've got, you know, the Battle Royal felt unnecessary before the ending. The women's triple threat was just went way too long. Yeah, there's my review, pal. What do you think? I'm just, I'm laughing here because uh, somebody said that we got to see Jay versus Jimmy in a Hot Wheels match. Oh, don't give them any ideas, pal. That that feels like a, a Miz match. You just have Miz st- uh, strolling out there facing Matt Riddle in, in the middle of payback, and, and they're, like, driving Hot Wheels and bumping into each other. Like, I, I can see something stupid like that. But there you go, Nick Khan. There's your next sponsorship, Hot Wheels match. Get the Miz out there driving the Hot Wheels live on payback, pal. But I, I digress. So now my overall thoughts on SummerSlam 2023 uh, overall rating, I'm going to give it a five and a half out of 10. I, I was underwhelmed. And I said this in the review, I said I was underwhelmed. And then you kind of talked me into being hyped for it. Cause you were so hyped for it. In the preview. But, yeah. Yeah. In the preview. Yeah. And I, but I, I stand by what I said in the preview and it kind of was what I expected. Um, rematches. So go on, continue, continue, continue. Did you finish your point now? Yeah. Um, rematches and you know, well, I'm, I'm seeing what you're laughing at. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. He's not wrong. He's, he's, he might have number five coming soon, so carry on. Carry wow. On. Um, <laughs> okay, I digress. Now, back to what I was saying. Rematches, um, underwhelming feuds, random battle royals kind of littered this show. Mm-hmm. Me, personally, I would have liked to see Roman versus Jimmy main event. That would have sprinkled a little extra oomph, added a little extra element of unpredictability to the storyline. Uh, but we know for reasons beyond our control, Jimmy Uso is is uh, seemingly not a liable main eventer based on um, his track record in the past. Now, I'm just stating facts here. I'm not throwing shade at anyone. 
so we we're an inclusive podcast. We would never throw judgment or shade. All love, Jimmy. Carry on. Yeah, there you have it. So yeah, five and a half out of ten for me. I, I think in the grand scheme of things, this SummerSlam, we'll look back out into ten years when you and I are having legitimate shoot fights at our podcast studio in, in New York City for the viewers' pleasure. We're gonna look back at this pay per view and we'll probably say, "Oh, okay, Logan Paul versus Ricochet, fun." Yeah, Brock versus Cody, that was cool. That was a big, maybe a swan song. Who knows, maybe Brock's retiring. That was a big moment for Brock to, to help make the next star. Mm. And then we'll look at it like, eh, Rollins and Fergie, eh. Bianca Belair yeah. versus Asuka and Charlotte, eh. Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso for the third time, eh. And then what, what else we got? Uh, yeah, Shayna versus Ronda, didn't need to be there. And then maybe we'll look at we'll look back at uh, the third match, and we'll say, "Wow, this was the moment that a megastar was born." Because mm. we don't know what the future holds for LA Knight, so maybe LA Knight will go on and have a just a otherworldly run and get the rocket strapped to him and get sent to Mars, pal. And we'll have LA Knight main eventing pay per views for the next three years. So yeah, like I said, five and a half out of ten, nothing too memorable, and that's where it falls for me. Yeah, and then I guess closing comment I'll make. Um, I don't know whether because Money in the Bank in London ended with Roman Reigns getting pinned and it was shocking. This show ended, you know, Jimmy turns on Jay, cool, that's gonna set up a storyline, but didn't it just didn't hit the same. And one other thing before I address what well, I just say in the chat, uh, the placement of matches, Brock and Cody being second was just weird. I'm like, this is your biggest star of 2023 versus a top 10 all time guy, and it's going second. That was a bit odd, but nonetheless. If someone really changed Jimmy Uso's name Wikipedia to Mr. DUI, that is unbelievable. Wow. Is, wow. From one Jimmy to another, wow. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Um, and I, I give it a six. You give it a five and a half. Some might say we're being harsh. Others might say every match bar a couple was like four plus stars and it was a legendary SummerSlam. I guess Triple H wrote it so it's going to get extra points just because I view this show the same regardless of who writes it. I've watched this four-hour event basically all of it outside of the bits of the women's match and bits of the Bella Rollins match. I watched the whole thing. And I think it was a six out of 10 show, regardless of who's sitting in gorilla position with a headset on. It was a six out of 10. So there you go. There you have it. All right. So that's been uh, our SummerSlam 2023 review. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thank you for everybody that participated in the chat. And I think we, we peaked at like 36 viewers concurrently at one point. So yeah. the channel's growing. Can't do it without you guys. Thank you again. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Easy. Peace.